Dojo, Dynamite 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 Dojo, with Rich and Ashley. Hey guys, this is Ashley and Rich here with episode 11 of Dojo and Dynamite. It is Monday, December 30th, and there was no Dynamite last week. Uh, It was the the holiday break. Which is good. It's good for talent. Good to get you reinvigorated with the product, I think. We are here to provide you with our 2019 year-in review. Now, this episode is going to be a, a little different than usual. There's really not too much analysis we're going to be doing. It's really just discussing our favorite moments of the year. And we're excited to share this episode with one of our friends, Frank, of Wrestling with the Weasel podcast. It gives us a good chance to do a review. He's heavy on the NXT programming and the WWE programming. Obviously, this show is Dojo and Dynamite. So a little disclaimer uh, this will have kind of wrestlers from all over the place. There will be conversation from the WWE and from AEW in New Japan. So it'll have wrestlers. We're going to do uh, top five segments, matches, moments, wrestlers. All kinds of conversation will happen. We're happy to have this collaboration. and It gives our audience and his audience something unique to listen to. But before that, you did make a very interesting Dojo and Dynamite Twitter post about... What were your guys' favorite matches, favorite wrestlers, favorite moments of the year? And we're happy to say you guys responded, and that's great. Yeah, I really I really appreciate the feedback. So before we introduce the the segment with Frank, we're just going to, you know, briefly discuss what you guys enjoyed the most about 2019. Um general consensus in terms of favorite wrestlers, Will Ospreay, Cody, yeah. Jericho, Adam Cole, Mox, a lot of us were all in agreement that they were some of the best this year. Now, uh, Chris from Twitter had a really unique top top wrestlers for 2019. He highlighted Keith Lee, Darby Allen, Chris Statlander, Kota Ibushi, and Jay White. Those are different. I think it's a really good list. They're good wrestlers, for sure. I, it just is different. I mean, you know, we universally kind of saw a lot of Will Ospreay, and he didn't even have Will Ospreay on there, which is interesting. But we saw universally a lot of Will Ospreay. We saw a lot of Okada, a lot of John Moxley also. And, you know, you and I ourselves will be talking a little later on in the podcast when we talk with Frank about our tops. But we do have a friend, Sean. He was a big fan of Ibushi. He had Ibushi on the top list. We had two individuals that had Adam Cole, I believe, as a top star, correct? Yes, Chris uh, Chris from Twitter was yeah. was one of those, and Alex. Yeah, yeah, a friend of Adam ours. He, he had Adam Cole. They both had Adam Cole on the top of the list, which is very interesting uh, given those circumstances because we know that CBS Sports revealed theirs and Adam Cole was on the top of theirs, and some people felt that Will Ospreay got slighted, but clearly not. I mean, we have two individuals who clearly believe that Adam Cole is the top wrestler of the year. So CBS Sports wasn't being any bias if there was one. No, he, in his own right, he did have 
quite the year with the Undisputed Era and NXT and, um, you know, Survivor Series and everything. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he helped lead them on to television. He was their champion. He had a couple of great matches on SmackDown. Mm -hmm. They were highlighting him. So I think that that's a very interesting one. Not, Not one that I necessarily would have chosen, but all in all, it's pretty interesting. Miguel from Twitter uh, had highlighted Kofi Kingston. Oh, that's a good one. Good one, especially with, you know, his WrestleMania moment this year. Yeah, the WrestleMania moment was really great, but I just felt like they did him a disservice as he got the belt and he kind of faced these competitors that, you know, I'm not saying they're kind of pushovers, but, you know, guys you didn't believe were actually going to beat him, and I think his title reign ended up becoming a little lackluster, but the moment itself was spectacular, and it his rise to get there absolutely. was excellent. And then uh, J.R.J. McClure had highlighted Shingo Takagi, Io Shirai, and Ray Fenix were also oh, yeah. excellent I mean, just choices. look at the people. Look at the individuals on these lists. I mean... <laughs> This is the type of talent pool that we're picking from. I mean, these are outstanding wrestlers. The talent pool is so deep in regards to New Japan and WWE, if it was AAA, if it's in even ROH. I mean, some people may say that Marty Skrull could be on their list, or some may even say PCO. They love that guy. I mean, but there's so many talented wrestlers everywhere that the talent pool is so deep, we've gotten such a nice, diverse group of answers. Yeah, there's there's no right or wrong. I love seeing I love seeing the similarities, but I also love seeing the differences because we were all impacted differently throughout the year. No, um, we were, and, and I think with Chris from Twitter, in his response to not having Will Ospreay is interesting because basically everybody had Will Ospreay, and Will Ospreay was fantastic throughout the entire year. So, you know, I think you and I will talk about it later. I believe we both had Will Ospreay. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that somebody would have impacted him differently in yeah, that regard. it's, it's and, very and that's, cool. I, that's, I like the inclusion of Darby Allen and, and Chris Statlander. They were two individuals that you and I were not um, extremely familiar with before, before this year with AEW, and they're both huge stars. Yeah, the crowd loves to see them. Every time Absolutely. they come out in AEW, the, the crowd's excited to see them and what they're going to do next. And they have great matches on Dynamite, which kind of did we get matches also? Did people provide matches to us? We yeah, we do have we do have top matches for the year. Again, with some general consensus, uh, Okada Osprey came up a few times from the G1. Oh yeah, yeah. The Lucha Bros versus the Bucks, uh, specifically the Escalera de la Muerte, and also the match at Double or Nothing. Cody Dustin, Cody Jericho, Mox Omega. It's interesting where they came from. Because when you really pay attention to it, obviously we're Dojo and Dynamite. We didn't really exclusively expect them all to be Dojo and Dynamite. But that's interesting. I mean, those those were really the best matches. Either or. I mean, the Bucks and the Lucha Brothers. Either or. Double or nothing. All out. I mean, e- either one was fantastic. Yeah. And the Bucks, I think, have had a great year in general. Just talking about them, regardless. I mean, their match with Private Party put them on the map. And their match with Santana and Ortiz was excellent in that street fight. The one at full gear was excellent. Yeah, there's there's no doubt there that the Bucks had a hell of a year. Chris and JRJ had both included Ibushi versus Jay White. Okay. Uh, during the G1. Yeah, great, for sure. Great match, of course. One that maybe I've even overlooked. I, yeah. I agree. Jay White had a hell of a year in his own 
respect. Right. Yeah, um, he did. And he did. We'll talk about him a little bit later on during our segment, but that that's a great match. Chris also included Walter versus Tyler Bate at the NXT UK Takeover. Yeah, which unfortunately I didn't have a chance to really watch because no. we were at the All Out and we were so focused on getting back to watch Suzuki and Okada. That... I know I was trying to keep up with the uh, Royal yeah. Quest <laughs> updates that we have not had a chance to watch that one, but I've heard great things about it. Frank is actually going to touch on that later on too. Yeah. So that's you know that's a great addition to our list. And then um, Miguel had brought up uh, Ibushi versus Osprey and Mox versus Pac. Okay, yeah, Mox and Pack was one that was interesting. Ended in a draw. Yeah, it, it was one I think that they're planting seeds potentially for the future. Mm-hmm. I could see them maybe if Mox does defeat Jericho coming up, maybe that could be the next step for Pack because mm-hmm. Pack is just chomping at the bit to get title match, but for some reason they haven't given it to him yet, and it looks like maybe they're just buying the time, right? So that's what I saw, but I mean, no disrespect to anybody out there. Unfortunately, we can't really retread everybody's lists because they're they're really similar so going through the lists i mean it would kind of be redundant to repeat constantly everybody's same guys if they all had the same lists men and women so we're just trying to highlight some of the unique ones yeah it's we're trying not to be too too repetitive i I will say throughout the feedback that we got i loved the diversity of the will osprey matches we have osprey versus okada osprey versus shingo that just proves the type of year he had miguel again had said osprey versus ibushi jrj osprey versus elp osprey versus okada osprey versus archer in the g1 so So, again, you can't really go wrong with any of his matches this year, but I love the diversity there. Alex, our friend, had selected Naito versus Ibushi at Dominion, and then Big Big Mommy versus Lady Maravilla in the AAA. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't get a chance to watch uh, Big Mommy's match, but, you know, that'll be discussed a little bit later on, too. (laughs) Yeah, that was great. That was so great. That match was awesome. I had no idea what I was getting myself into in that. So I have to watch it. it, it I have to watch it. <laughs> it's better if you don't have any idea what to expect. That That's very unique. That is a match not for everyone. That is a very unique matchup. It was hair versus hair, by the way, in that it, match. It was. Yes. Mm-hmm. But the Naito and the Ibushi match, that was the one where Ibushi took that nasty bump on the apron, on the, apron and the German bonkers. suplex. Those two men scare me (laughs) when they get in the ring. Really great selection of wrestlers and and matches uh, for 2019. Before we conclude, we have a couple favorite storylines for the year. Okay. And then some predictions for 2020 before we move on to our review. Chris had said that he really liked the double gold dash storyline okay. uh, for New Japan. And I, I agree. I think it's, it's really interesting. It's not traditional. This is going to be the first double champion, IWGP champion in New Japan history. And I think there's a compelling case for 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 each man i don't like how they kind of willed it into existence however it's not like there's a story that's driving the two champions against one another it was just kind of like naito's like yeah i'm just gonna win both and then it turns into like no i'm gonna win both and then it turns into oh no i'm gonna win both and then it's that's the only drawback i had about it was just kind of it wasn't like we had this collision course coming of the two champions colliding but well, Chris and I disagree. <laughs> yeah, you guys disagree. <laughs> we, we I don't hate it. We enjoyed it. Um, and going into his prediction, he's saying that Ibushi is going to walk out of Wrestle Kingdom as double champion. Well, that would be wrong. So 
It's going to be Okada. It's actually going to be Jay White, and that is where uh, me and mm. J.R.J. McClure are, are on the same page there. Uh, we're going to have Jay White two belts, mm. which I guess time will tell. Russell Kingdom's coming up within the next week. I like Jay White. I love I like Jay all White. four of these guys. Like I said, very compelling case for each each individual. Yeah, and, so, and they worked really hard to get to this. It's just, for them, it's disappointing they have to lose to Okada. So No, they're going to all lose to Jay White. <laughs> Some won't even get a chance to face Okada. But one person won't get a chance to face Okada. That was misspoken. It'll probably be Jay White. Jay White's going to win. No, he's going to lose to Naito and then never Jay face Jay White, Okada. two belts. Oh, okay. Like I said, Jay White redemption tour. Redemption from what? Losing at the G1 Supercard. This was the best year Jay White's ever had. And he's on... Why is he on a redemption tour? To get his belt back. Oh. Isn't that a reclamation tour? Reclaiming his top spot? He's redeeming his loss. I guess so. At Madison Square Garden. But he had a better year after that. <laughs> no, he had a he had a great year. Okay. JRJ also predicted that Omega is going to beat Jericho at Double or Nothing 2 for the AEW World Championship. That would mean he believes that Jericho's going to hold it through Revolution. Yes, which contrasts with Miguel, who had predicted that Mox is going to be AEW champion soon. That, I, I'm on board with that. I believe that. That's kind of what I'm leaning towards, too. But, you know... No one's wrong. No, I just, no. Time, I, time will the, tell. I'm on that fence. That would be something, though, if we had Omega Jericho 2 at Double or Nothing, this time for the belt, and Kenny goes over. It, That's it's a good story. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a good story, yeah. for sure, but they got to do some really rebuilding Kenny Omega if they want to do that. It's a new year, so... We'll see new year, new up. Omega. And then lastly, JRJ's uh, favorite storylines for the year was the, the birth creation of the Inner Circle. Okay. And the debut of the Death Riders, Shooter and Mox. Which that was good. I love dearly. Mox taking Shota was, was good. That was enjoyable. It was, yeah, it was very heartwarming. He's just like, you're coming with me. Pulling on my heartstrings there. But... Guys, thank you so much for contributing. Like Rich said, we apologize if we didn't do the lists justice. There was a lot of similarities. We were we were all somewhat in agreement for the most part and as to what the top matches and moments were for 2019. So we apologize if we didn't go through your list piece by piece individually, but we really appreciate all of your feedback. Yeah, for sure. And now you can hear out. Yes, so with that, we're going to go ahead and roll into the segment with Frank, our, our collaboration piece. You'll get to hear our 2019 review, and we hope you enjoy. All right, so we're going to go ahead and get started with our 2019 year in review. This is Ashley and Rich here with Dojo and Dynamite, and we have a very special guest here with us today. We have Frank from Wrestling with the Weasel podcast. Frank, thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm actually here with my Clueless producer, if you guys listen to my podcast. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Yeah, it's the Clueless one here. <laughs> but, yeah, I am the weasel, um, and I'm very honored and happy to be, you know, featured on this podcast with Dojo and Dynamite. Yeah, I'm really excited that we, you know, finally got around to doing this. I know we've been talking for a while about doing a collaboration, and I'm glad that we just got it in the works finally. Finally, yeah. And what I do like about this is like what I've been saying on my podcast is um, you guys are, you know, the diversity between both of us. You know, I mean, if you listen to our podcast, you could tell that you guys are heavy on AEW, I'm heavy on NXT. And, you know, that's what I like, that we get to bring our two opinions, two viewpoints together. Finally, <laughs> finally, after, you know, 
starting you know our podcasting days. Yeah, that's great. It it gives the audience a wide view of everything going on on Wednesday nights. And even especially with us, too, we'll, we'll be talking about New Japan during this also. They've had some of the best matches of the year. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, I have some of them here this summer, too. Yeah, they had they had a killer year this year. So, yeah. I mean, we'll just start really easy for everybody. What was, Frank, you can start. We'll go to you and your clueless producer, if he has one also. What was your singular favorite moment? of 2019 my singular favorite moment it's not gonna be a big one yet. i don't think people are gonna consider it big but for me personally and because i'm finally happy to see him back in the wrestling uh business is a uh, the return of cm punk i mean i know it's not a big you know it didn't get a live pop it didn't get a live uh it didn't get a live reaction but if you you know follow cm punk you saw what he said about wwe you saw that he was teasing his return you know going to starcast and doing that panel there and then when he finally came out, I mean, I mean that just broke, you know, the internet. <laughs> if you want to say it, it broke Twitter. And um, he's been one of my favorites since uh, his Ring of Honor days. And uh, I've always uh, loved CM Punk. And for him to finally come back and uh, you know, just come back in the wrestling business, you know, come back and give his viewpoints on storylines and all that, I'm happy to see him back. And a lot of people that were scared about with him was that he was going to tone it down, you know, for uh, Fox. You know, he was. The WWE was going to tone down his, uh, uh, you know, his viewpoints, but it doesn't seem like that is what they did. He's giving his honest viewpoints on a lot of uh, storylines going on in the WWE right now, which I really like. And if you listen to him, he drops those uh, pipe bombs. And, you know, he, he's expressed his uh, Bobby Lashley, Lana. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he expressed what he thought about that. He expressed his Baron Corbin, talked about uh, Seth Rollins, and I just love that he's back. Maybe, hopefully, you know, we'll see him in the ring soon. But, uh, yeah, that for me personally, that was one of my holy shit moments, you know. I mean, I don't know if we're allowed to cuss here. But, yeah, that's one of my holy shit moments on uh, we'll see him punk back in the, the wrestling business, some sort. That's a, that's a really good one. Cursing is definitely allowed <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> but that's that's a really good one. Um, he's been away for a while. Yeah, and obviously, of course, you being from Chicago, that was kind of your guy. When he was active, that was your guy. I mean, yeah. you followed everything. You went to the Money in the Bank show. Oh, yes, awesome. that was one of the craziest things I've ever experienced. We celebrated with Pepsis after the show because he won the belt um, that night. But yeah, that's a really great moment. Uh, I think it's a good way for him to get involved. He's a great wrestling mind, and and like Frank, like you said, um, he's not shying away from anything. He's gonna drop those pipe bombs, and I I do think it's a it's a good way to get him involved, even if he's not in the ring. Yeah, for sure, and it's something that may have flown under the radar a little bit, and that's why that's a really good one. Yeah. Because it, it kind of flew under the radar because it really wasn't like you said a huge pop. It wasn't return on Raw. It wasn't a return on a pay per view. So it was kind of that was that's a really good one. That's a good one. That's a that's did, a good one. Yeah. What did you guys think? What was your top uh, moments of uh, 2019? My number one moment of of 2019, and I've I've said this repeatedly, I keep going back to it, was John Moxley appearing at Double or Nothing. Yep. We were at the show, and Frank, you were there too, right? Yes, I was there. I was a yeah, So just being in the arena for that was just a whole nother level of energy and emotion and i know there was you know periodic speculation of where was he going to go after you know his wwe contract was up and it you know it was just radio silent you didn't really hear much you didn't hear anything about it and just 
being there with him walking out at the end of the show to attack Jericho and Kenny Omega, <laughs> just that moment will never be taken away from me. And it, it was just, it was crazy. I can't put into words like how insane that was. That's I, hard to top too. I, <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's that, that's not easy. Um, but. That was an incredible moment because I guess for as many people that said they knew this was going to happen because there were rumors and whatever, you don't know anything's going to happen until it happens, right? right. You don't really know, like Frank said, that CM Punk's even going to be on backstage until the day he walks out on backstage. So no matter what anybody says, you don't really know the truth until it happens. And so the John Moxley thing was just really incredible to be there for. Uh, mine is not as big as that. <laughs> Mine's kind of like Frank's a little bit. It's his might be bigger than mine. Was it's just a memorable moment to me was when they did the ticket announcement press conference for Double or Nothing, and I had turned it on my phone. I'm watching it on YouTube. Ashley says to me, "Why are we watching this right now?" You know, I don't want to listen to this. It's the Young Bucks or whatever talking. So instead of, you know, acknowledging her wanting me to turn it off, I put it and projected it onto the television and made it a big screen so that now we had to watch it happen. And I remember, you know, there's a bunch of ROH guys, and I didn't follow them that tightly. I really didn't. And so a bunch of ROH guys are starting a wrestling promotion. They come off of All In and... You know, I went to a bunch of ROH shows. I really did. But the quality of ROH kind of started to slip as NXT kind of signed a bunch of those guys away. So these were really the last remaining indie guys left. And we watched the ticket announcement. And the moment that Kenny Omega made his appearance after the clock countdown that he was going to debut here and he was going to Double or Nothing and he was in all elite wrestling was my moment because it was hyped up as Frank would know for sure, around the Rumble, that maybe Kenny Omega would be there. Yeah. And yeah. he, right, and he was the free agent. Remember AJ Styles a couple of years back, that was a big moment at the Royal Rumble when he came out to face Roman Reigns, right? That square off. Yeah. And so this was kind of that maybe Omega's going to be there, but everybody keeps saying, well, his contract's not up yet. We don't know where he's going to go. He shows up at this ticket conference. Ashley says to me, well, this feels like a big deal. <laughs> this feels like it's important all of a sudden. She wasn't very familiar with Kenny Omega. So the fact that somebody next to me had said, wow, this this is something, huh? It made me think, well, may, they're on to something here. Like, they're about to do something here, which is what led me to get these tickets to Double or Nothing, which was absolutely ridiculous trying to get to that show. Trying to get to that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It was, oh, my God. That, that is a good moment, though. It. It's a it's, small moment. It, but it's not, because that was, I mean, for us, it was actually, I don't want to say life-changing, but, like, it was in that sense, because I, I didn't want to watch it. Um, no, no. We had a, she told like, me to shut that crap off. Because we had a, like, a, I had a poor relationship with wrestling at, at the time. I just wasn't into anything, and I didn't really love what I was seeing, and then it just, it changed the whole game, and here we are and we have a podcast yeah. about AEW and, and new japan so that was that is a good moment yeah yeah for sure Very so i mean th those are great i mean those We're are good really good moments and with all of that that leads to arguably what are the best wrestlers that you saw this year 
Okay, I saw this here. Well, I could just go on. Uh, we're, I mean, I have a top five on empty nuts we're doing here. Uh, yeah, my, give me top five. Give me as many as you want. I mean, if you got, doesn't have to be in any particular order. However, you want to do it. I yeah. mean, list them. Right. List them, man. All right, here we go. Well, my number five is uh, Becky Lynch. She should for be sure. higher. Yeah, I mean, for what she's doing right now, um, from starting, I mean, I was there at the Royal Rumble last year to see her uh, go out there and get the biggest pop that night from the Royal Rumble. And you know how the Royal Rumble starts in January. That's from the beginning of the year, and she has remained red hot all year. Uh, it seems like she is a must-see uh, attraction in WWE. I know we, there's a Brock Lesnar there, but since he's not been there, it seems like everyone's there to see Becky. Right I would now. much rather watch Becky than Brock Lesnar. <laughs> <laughs> but um, well, she's my number five. I mean, it just tells me that, you know, I mean, the sky's the limit for her. She's not showing up on ESPN, you know, everywhere. You know, she's everywhere. And I really love what she's doing with uh, Oscar right now. And it just seems that they're getting the, keeping the momentum for the next year. And, you know, the sky's the limit for her. And the number four would have to be uh, Cody. Cody wrote, um, he should be higher. <laughs> just my best way to see uh, the top three right now. But Cody Rhodes, and it's really not what he did in the ring, but what he's doing outside of the ring. It's him bringing the AEW. I mean, it seems like he is the guy behind the scenes, you know, promoting this company, uh, doing the, all the press release for this company. And, uh, of course, he has great matches. I mean, we're not going to deny the matches. But for him, for me personally, it's his behind-the-scenes that uh, has got him, you know, to be one of the best wrestlers in uh, in 2019. Uh, number three, Adam Cole. Uh, of course, you know, everyone knows Adam Cole, NXT. Um, you know, leading one of the top factions uh, in, the, in, the, in the business with the uh, Undisputed Era. He's been wrestling at every takeover but Phoenix, which I was really disappointed in because I was actually there. Um sucks yeah i mean i was hoping to see him but um i don't know what it was because you know they had a i think that main event was champa and uh alistair black but um of course with injuries to gargano uh Team dream and champa i mean that's why adam cole you know rose but when he got the the title you know there was no looking back on him uh number two would probably be uh, will osprey in new japan i mean his uh this past year he just did everything i think he was in every single tournament that new japan held including the g1 which was like, I think was a big thing because I don't know. I mean, you guys probably know a lot more history than I do about New Japan, but from what I think was, he was one of the first juniors to be in in the G1. I don't know if you guys could clarify that for me. I can't confirm that much, but <laughs> he 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 definitely came in as a junior and left a heavyweight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then then to go back to junior, and then him being the Dragon Slayer, you know, just killing off uh, Shingo. You know how Shingo was going on. Uh, just tip on the rampage. Yeah. And number one would be Moxley. I mean, Moxley just did it all this year. From leaving WWE to um, from uh, coming out in uh, AEW to going to New Japan to indie shows. He's just, he knows how to get young guys over. He knows how to keep on top while getting young guys over. I mean, Moxley right now is just in his own world right now. I mean, I think he is actually uh, one of the best friend, you know, in the world right now is uh, John Moxley. But yeah, those are my top five. <laughs> Um, that's an excellent I, list and i actually had pretty similar yeah, yeah list with my top five um number one in terms of just wrestling alone i had will osprey i felt like everything he did like he could just do no wrong this year i can't think of a bad match that he had no osprey um, he was great in everything he was in and when we get into our, you know, our top matches later on. I have a couple Osprey matches in there, uh, but it was really hard to narrow it down because just everything he did was 
fantastic. Like Frank touched on, he was in the best of the super juniors, which mm-hmm. he won. He's a super junior heavyweight champion. He put on clinics in the G1 itself. So yeah. he is my number one of the year. Followed up with Shingo Takagi, who also put on some fantastic matches in both the uh, best of the super junior and the G1. He also moved up from super junior to heavyweight. He almost had like a really good first half of the year. Shingo. Yeah. Really, yeah it's sure. like his first half was so good. Like Moxley, like, like Frank's right. Moxley, I mean, arguably is like the best wrestler right now. I mean, it, yeah. the total package. He's entertaining people tuned to see him. I mean, he's wrestling and the fact that he did the G1 just got to give him a lot of respect for it. He's yeah, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think well, just to touch on, that, I think Mox right now is like the hot ticket in town right now. I think definitely everybody wants Absolutely. to see Moxley perform. I had it on my list like it, it was like a reincarnation of this man. Like I, I know, know John Moxley know. was. You hated Dean Ambrose. I I did. <laughs> I, I did not like Dean Ambrose, and I fucking love John Moxley. <laughs> yep. But I yeah, like just everything he he's doing right now, he can do no wrong, and. He took the wrestling world by storm. Frank is absolutely right. He's the hot ticket right Mm now. Mm -hmm. And then my last two, I had Jericho and Cody. Frank, you perfectly summed up why Cody is on this list. Uh, He's putting on great matches, but everything he's doing behind the scenes, um, on the mic, you know, he's, I don't want to say untouchable, but he's just on a roll. And Jericho is Jericho. Uh, Jericho's a good You know, he's... (laughs) He always finds a way to reinvent himself and keep himself relevant, and he's one of the the greatest, if not the greatest. And I think he's had a really good year also. That's my top five. That's a great top five. Both of you guys had great top fives. They were very diverse. Both were very diverse. You can't really deny. I mean, Will Ospreay's on everybody's list. You can't deny that. Right. And I, I feel almost disappointed for him when you actually take a look at some of these lists that are out there you know sports illustrated cbs sports we saw a couple of these that are naming different individuals and someone said i i don't know who the writer was i don't want to misquote but someone had said um was will osprey not even eligible for that because will osprey was arguably the best wrestler now my number one wrestler is okada that's fucking I mean, I mean, I mean, there has to be reasons. Let's see. Let's see the reason. I mean, I, I mean, I've been hearing this podcast. I mean, yeah, we all know you're in love with Kata. <laughs> Tama, Tama's not on your list. Tama Tonga is my forever number one. So I didn't have to but name But this him. is this is real though. This is not. <laughs> this is real. This is Okada is number one. Oh my goodness. Because he's the best wrestler in the world, and that's all. That's it. <laughs> what, other, what explanation do you need? He's the best. You're just dripping bias. (laughs) You love him so much. I have to say, yes, I do. I do love him very much. (laughs) Um, But Okada does these magical things with no matter who he wrestles. He makes every main event match on the pay-per-view, regardless if you know, like when he's facing Minoru Suzuki and you know he's going to win the belt. You know that Minoru is not going to beat him. But you look forward to seeing that happen because no matter what Okada does in the pay-per-view main events, you know you're going to get a classic. You know you're going to get a full five-star clinic no matter who he's facing. And I, I, I love John Moxley. I love Chris Jericho. But not every main event that they've been doing has been the way Okada does. Now, I understand it's it's relative. Okada only does, what, eight-man tag matches for the rest of the year outside of, what, ten times that he wrestles singles? So, like, I get that. 
But Okada's number one because I love him. So that's just a <laughs> bias, and that's not going to change it. He does have the best drop kick in the business. I mean. Yeah, he's just he's the best everything. <laughs> he, he he got rid of the pants and he went to trunks and that was that's it. It's the greatest. He's the best. So oh my goodness. Anyway. <laughs> Well, what a, what a twist. <laughs> no, I mean, I can't deny it. He's a, he's a really great wrestler. Uh, oh, I, I, actually, I do like enjoying, I do like watching his matches. Um, I think his matches with uh, Naito are some of the greatest. His matches with Kenny Omega, of course, I mean, um, and his matches with Sonata. I mean, those matches are always just, God damn. <laughs> but, um, so, yeah, you're right. You're, 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 you're right. So what would bring me to number two, truthfully, the second best wrestler this year is Yano. He beat everybody. Goodness. He beat everybody. Yano pinned Moxley and Naito, and he beat Jay White. Why? Why would Yano? NGOD. Why would Yano not be the best? Yeah, no. <laughs> All right, I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. Oh, I can't stand Yano. But. That's honorable, like, that's like a dishonorable mention because somehow Yano's booked over all these guys. But he's, he's no, I'll give him that. I, he is. The Moxley thing was entertaining when he him bought and, the DVD, uh, took his money. I did enjoy that. I did. They, they, were, they were a comedy, comedy genius right there. <laughs> they, they were. But my number two is it's Cody. Cody's number two. And it's a lot of the reasons you guys said, but what Cody does in the ring is he tells this story, whether or not it's through, again, whether or not it's through his promos or or his story i mean he took sean spears and made it feel important he took his brother dustin and he had a match at double or nothing which spoiler alert is my number one match of the year it's arguably my favorite match of all time and they went into this and we sat at the panel frank i don't know if you had gone to starcast uh i didn't go to any of the panels but i was actually there okay so we went he to the Starcast. Us. oh that's right he saw us. i did tell yeah. but we went to the starcast panel i believe it was it wasn't a night with cody and the bucks was it it was a night with okay cody and the bucks so it was a night it wasn't the press conference it It was was not the press conference and i remember cody sitting there and all he said was i just wanted my brother to wrestle a match in front of you guys as an audience because he has never experienced something the way that he will experience it that night. And it's something that resonated with me the entire time that I watched it. This is a guy who wrestled in WCW, TNA, WWE, now AEW. He wrestled in these gimmicks because he didn't he wanted to separate himself from his father. He wanted to be unique in his own artist in his own way, right? As Gold Dust or Black Rain or however he wanted himself conveyed. However, he came here to AEW and did something that we all knew he could do because if as Frank a big WWE guy he remembers the matches that he was having with Randy Orton when he came back a couple of years ago those were great when it involved Dusty and and Cody and they were they were feuding and Goldust is wrestling main events against Randy Orton on Raw those were great matches and the fact that Cody came out told you that that very small story and then makes you cry watching this match at double or nothing because you know that dustin is receiving this ovation that he more than well deserved he goes on to face darby allen and make him a star in a draw with the body bag at fight at fighter fest he goes to fight for the fallen and wrestles a great tag team match against the bucks he makes sean spears credible by using the chair shot and telling the story as to why he brought sean spears here to be a hand 
Then he goes and fights against the inner circle and tries to keep the Nightmare family and the elite unified to take the belt away. And Cody has been a classic American wrestler this entire year. But I can't put him number one. I'm sorry. It's just he's not okay. <laughs> um, but that's just because Okada's always going to be number one. My <laughs> number three is going to be Osprey. He's fantastic. I can't even explain it better than you two guys did. Uh, he's, he's arguably the best wrestler of the year. Number four is a bit of a different one because, again, it's one of my biases. But I really like Sonata. I do. And I really – and people don't. They really don't. You don't like Sonata, right? Ash, you like Sonata? Uh, I like Evil. Frank, you like Sonata? I, love, I, I prefer Sonata over Evil. <laughs> okay. Now, Sonata's matches against Okada this year were really good. I don't know what... There's just something about him that doesn't click with me, but he's very talented. I like Sonata. I'm, I'm a big Sonata fan, and I think what Sonata did this year has been really good. This is his best year, I think, as a singles competitor in a long time. And he was really good in TNA. I don't know if people remember that, but he was really good in TNA. Um, his um, match with uh, Zack Sabre was just... You know, clinical. Both of those two just going at it is very clinical. Yeah, so I Sonata is number four, and number five. As much as he may not have done as much work, it's going to be Daniel Bryan Ooh. because Daniel Bryan is great. Daniel Bryan is really, really great. And no matter if he was Eco Warrior, Planet Warrior, whatever the hell he was, and made Eric Rowan relevant, and he had a fantastic match with Kofi Kingston at WrestleMania, and that geared up for him coming even this year. Now he's wrestling The Fiend. I, I, Daniel Bryan. I mean, his match against, I believe it was Brock Lesnar. I mean, it's just Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan is great. Great pick, actually. Um, if you look at it, Daniel Bryan actually did, like, three different turns this year. He yeah. started off as a face. He went to the heel, a very, really good heel with the equal warrior thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Came his own belt and all that, and then came back as becoming a face. So, you know, what probably the face of SmackDown, you know, of course it's Roman Reigns, but I think Daniel Bryan is actually getting up there becoming, you know, he can become the face within the next year. If, but I don't know if they're going to pull the brakes on Roman just yet, but I think Daniel Bryan, uh, that's a really good pick, actually. I do I do love Roman, though. Ooh, really? Else is Roman? Uh, Give me a little Roman, little ooh-ah, you know? little Superman punch, oh, little Baron Corbin, that's good stuff, man. Oh, my God. Put that on my TV. Um, <laughs> actually, it's been on my TV for about a year. <laughs> the yeah. same for like six months it is the same i mean i think they need to kill that feud already i mean it's just kind of becoming 2019 too... will be remembered as roman reigns versus baron corbin <laughs> yeah. and a puppet ma- and a puppy mascots and dog food <laughs> oh, I, I can't i can't yeah <laughs> anyway frank uh was this here's a here's a little side question here as we're going through was this the best year of wrestling for you just a yes or no question you can was this was this the best year of wrestling for you 2019 okay no <laughs> i mean okay. most recently yes but i grew up um in like just a little uh, back history i mean i grew up during the monday night wars during the w- nwo days to the original monday night wars nwo dx so if you go to school, you know, I was one of those kids, you know, would go to school with NWO. Uh, other people would go to school with DX and we actually, you know, fight because <laughs> we, <laughs> I love that. yeah, because, you know, we, we were the Monday Night Wars. Uh, and then the next time I go show up with a DX shirt and they wouldn't know what site that was on. And I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, listen, man, everything's cool. <laughs> but um, that year, those years were some of the best years in uh, professional wrestling for me personally. Um, I was like, I think around seven or eight years old. I mean, I'm just showing my age right there. But I'm around seven or eight years old during that time. And those years were just, you know, but 
most recently, yes, this was probably most recently uh, one of the most enjoyable uh, years in professional wrestling because you had different companies from uh, AEW starting up. You had WWE. It's kind of on a downtrend, but then you had NXT came out of shambles. It came out. I'm sorry, NXT came out of the shambles of the WWE. If that makes sense. So you had the WWE going down, but with their downfall came the rise of NXT, and which was awesome. You had New Japan, of course, doing New Japan stuff. And then I follow uh, MLW, which has been, um, you know, just delivering great shows also. And ROH, just until recently, you know, I stopped watching it because of the whole politics of it. But they deliver some great shows this year. And MLW kind of stole ROH's thunder. Yeah, that's how I feel, too. MLW kind of took those viewerships away. Yeah, ROH, as much as I used to, I've been going to ROH shows since 2011. And we went and saw some really good stuff. I obviously, unfortunately, before that, I, I I never attended them. But since 2011 on, I attended a bunch of ROH shows, and I just feel the writing on the wall there with ROH. It's just I think it's over for them. Yeah, just the backstage politics and all that. It's just kind uh, of, yeah. And, and yeah, I know. I don't want to make it. I don't want to drop any names, but there's some people back there that some people don't really like too much. So, Ash, was this the best year of wrestling for you? For me. Yes. Um, I started watching wrestling at a really weird time compared to like the two of you. Yeah, it started to get crappy. Yeah, I started watching it <laughs> in, in like September 2006, Unforgiven 2006, which as I've kind of gone back and seen was sort of like a lull. Like I missed the. Well, added... 2006 was okay. It yeah. Just like after 2008, it started to kind of like. I like through the age of Orton and then it, yeah, like the PG era came. So like I, I wasn't watching during the Attitude Era. I was young for the Monday Night Wars. Yeah, yeah, you were too young for that. Um, <laughs> for me, came in me, this was like it, 2019 felt like a dream year in wrestling for me because it just exposed me to so many different outlets. Uh, I dabbled with the Indies a little bit. I went to some ROH shows. Um, 2013 and, and beyond and then when I met you Rich we started going to more shows together but I really just grew up watching WWE which is cool but this year just exposed me to so many different things so many different outlets and I've said it many times before but it really just reignited my love for professional wrestling so it's the best year that I've experienced thus far so like when I took you to CZW tournament of death that didn't reinvigorate your love for wrestling no I'm scared <laughs> you guys went to a ccw show that's fucking awesome <laughs> <laughs> to two tournaments of death like 2014 2015 should we even tell the story so here's the story we drove to delaware <clears throat> to go to i what they said it was dj hyde's mom's house backyard or something like to that. watch the tournament of death in back-to-back years yeah Everybody, no, well, that's that's not the right word. Nobody wanted to go, and I made everybody go. This was your brainchild. I, I bought everybody tickets. We loaded up a cooler that they ended up pile driving somebody on. They did. Yeah. yeah. We all sat in the audience, like the third row, and we watched Tournament of Death. It was an experience. And you're going to tell me that that didn't invigorate your love for professional wrestling? It didn't. <laughs> oh, but... man. I said I wanted to do a wrestling event every month for 2020. So CCW. So, so CCW in June. <laughs> yeah, 
That's great. It sounds like a really good goal of a wrestling event every month. Yeah, in in some way, shape, or form, I think it's attainable, right? There's so there's so much. We have so many indies around us. Like I mm-hmm. I feel like we should just capitalize on the East Coast, right? And well, not well that, but I meant like just capitalizing on all the opportunities out there and just continue to. Frank, do you guys have a lot of indies? A lot of small indie shows around? Uh, we have what like maybe two. Uh, we don't have a lot of like the you know the, the big indies like I guess the ROHs or MLWs combined, but we have our local uh, wrestling uh, little promotions. One thing about here is there's a lot of lucha libre where I'm at. A lot yeah, of it. Yeah. Cool. Good shit. Like, uh, Triple A goes across our across the border all the time. I've been but, yet to go see a show there, but when the Triple A goes across the border, they have some of their wrestlers uh, come to uh, El Paso. That's where I'm from, guys. In case you guys didn't know. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Just name drop my city. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, we have, but our Fine. style down here is more on the lucha libre side. Like, I mean, every every match has a masked wrestler. Uh, <laughs> come come out every match, regardless of who it is. It's a masked wrestler at least in one match. That's cool. <laughs> that's cool. Diverse. It's cool. I mean, that's that's interesting because we get a lot of very pasty white guys. I mean, it's it's kind of a <laughs> transition. You know, it's it's. But we you know it, we get a lot of hard hitting kind of that some more of the British style I guess that comes over for ROH because we're on the East Coast we get a little bit more of that we're a little more familiar with that and you being more familiar with Lucha Libre is very interesting because it's like somebody who has a completely different background in the style of wrestling that they're used to seeing yeah just like a little side note um, like a lot of people complain about the whole standing around you know jumping off you know I mean I don't know if you heard those complaints how people just stand there and wait for people to jump off the turnbuckles to get hit yeah 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 a lot of complaints on that on AEW. The thing is, is that's what Lucha Libre thrives on. <laughs> like, that's in right. every single match on Triple A and CMLL. Every time you see a, every time you see a Lucha Libre match, it's just a lot of that, and it's just so the performer could perform the aerial style, which is you know mesmerizing. If you actually see them and look at them, it's like just the aerial style that they do. It's just it's just amazing what they do. And of course, they can't fall on you know complete concrete, but they have to have people catch them. So, but yeah. Um, watched our first one actually i did i watched my first show uh what was it a uh, two weeks ago um the the night of the nwa pay-per-view yeah, yeah the night of the nwa night. pay-per-view i watched my first show from triple a triple a as you guys call it and it was big mommy i believe versus somebody in the hair versus hair match yeah yeah, which, oh, yeah. oh i forgot her name like, it's, I think it's sexy star that was like one of the top matches of my year because that was so entertaining that <laughs> match that hair versus hair match we waited all night too that was like one in the morning that came on i went to you went to bed and i came in and i was trying to explain to you how this match was taking place and she's like okay <laughs> i have to watch it frank did you watch that show uh, no, but I have seen, I didn't see that show, but I've seen Big Mommy uh, more than enough times to know why Rich was so excited to see Big Mommy. <laughs> this was so absolutely unexpected, ridiculous, fun. The, the referee was beating up Big Mommy. Like, why, why was the referee beating her up? I don't understand. And Rich, do you watch it in English or do you watch it uh, with English was, commentary? Or no, it was Spanish, so I have no idea what the hell they were saying. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they uh, they explain because he's a rudo, so they explain why he's beating up uh, Big Mommy. <laughs> but, Is that why he wears like the black shirt instead of the white shirt with the yeah, white? The black shirts are all uh, rudos. You know, they're like the heels of the company. Okay, okay. Yeah, so if they were in the black shirt, they were rudos. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, the referee beats up the wrestlers. You know, you told me. What happened. <laughs> Is there a subscription? 
why? I don't know. Frank, do you know? What, what was the question? Sorry, um, like, is there a subscription service for AAA, or how do you uh, like? How do you no, watch it's it? Come out on Twitch. It's on Twitch a lot. Um, we should we should watch more of it. So with the big mommy thing, which really should make my top five matches, it won't, but it should. Oh. <laughs> we're gonna roll into the top five matches of the year. Frank, what were your top five? All right, my top five. Uh, number five was kind of a tie, and this is because they were significant in uh, in the WWE, uh, and it's gonna be Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan, and uh, the women's main event from WrestleMania. Yeah, because the Kofi and Daniel Bryan, it was first off, it was a great match. Um, you know, you had the back and forth, you had the classic heel, classic face, you know who you wanted to win. Kofi winning that match was just, and then the pop he received and the significance of him holding the title. And then you see the reactions um, from across, I guess, you know, the, the, the business, not just, you know, around WWE, but you see the reaction. I think they had a reaction of MVP with Shad uh, from primetime. I mean, I mean, you can't beat that uh, reaction, you know. Yeah, I think you had MVP crying. You know, because, I mean, it's significant for Kofi to hold the belt. I mean, and right. then the, no, I agree. I completely agree. Yeah. Nah, I just hated how he lost it, but that's another story. I, I also <laughs> agree. I also agree. And then the women's match. I mean, the first time women uh, main event a, a paper, uh, WrestleMania pay-per-view was just significant in its own. It just shows that women wrestling is, uh, you know, is turning its corner and it's actually getting shown in the limelight. And hopefully other companies see that, you know, not saying AW, but I hope ROH sees that because... <laughs> right right i i know i know i know um my number four match um this is probably gonna be you know under the radar it's from new japan it's gonna be juice against uh moxley oh re- excellent yeah the reason it's number four is because it was moxley's first match out of uh, wwe uh, i believe I, I don't know if he did indies before it but it was his first match and you could just see that he was just out there to prove that he is back right he's back to his old moxley ways and you know juice had to change his style to come out and you know perform with moxley which he did really good. And I also actually saw it the other day again. We saw it. And what you people don't see, I mean, if they did see it, what they see is uh, Juice do a, a swanton off of, the, I guess, the tunnel where they come out of. And he just busts his ass, you know? Yeah, he uh, just misses. He completely misses him. <laughs> almost breaks his, you know, that had to like be a rough landing. And that was so early in the match. And for the match to keep going after that, the intensity it was, I mean, it's just, you know, a great, you know, gut check for Juice. And, and he had to, like I said, he had to change his whole style. He was not used to wrestling those kind of matches. And then I guess Moxie came in and uh, just changed it all. Uh, and my number three, I mean, this is your number one, Rich. My number three was Cody and Dustin. And that's because, you know, just the storytelling in that match. You know, everyone, I don't think there was a dry eye in that arena when they hugged at the end of the match. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that was just so emotional. And then the match itself was just, you know, with the blood and with uh, Brandy getting taken to back so they could be a one-on-one match. I think it was just so great how that whole uh, match uh, came into play. My number two would be, probably be the female war games. Uh, just, I think, this past month. Uh, you had Team uh, Rhea Ripley versus Team, Baz- Team Baszler. And the reason I picked that for number two is because another significant uh, turning point for women's wrestling for the first ever uh, War Games match. Also, if you look at that match, it was like maybe three or four storylines going on that didn't overwhelm you, but, you know, it kept you intrigued in NXT after what's going to happen after. And, of course, that was the start of Rhea Ripley's rise to uh, not the start, but, you know, just, you know, just showing her that she is ready for the spotlight. And, of course, you had the Dakota Kai turn and the Io Shirai is just, you know, Io Shirai. But uh, that was my number two match. My number one match, which is another one that's probably going to be under the radar, but a lot of people have it on their match of the year, is uh, Tyler Bates versus Walter. 
from a TakeOver UK. And what I liked about this match is your classic David versus Goliath. And it was the same day as, um, I think, Royal Quest and the same day as All Out. So, of mm-hmm. course, they had to come out and, you know, try to outperform everyone, which I think they did. I really suspect they did. Um, there was no, you know, no shenanigans in the fight. It was just one-on-one, you know, back and forth, hard-hitting UK wrestling. You know, Tyler Bates is Tyler Bates. You know, he's amazing. And Walter is just showing that he... It's probably going to be a big star in the business soon. I mean, and um, I, you guys were at StarCast during All Out, weren't you? Yes. We Yeah, we, we went for a day. We didn't get mm-hmm. do the package, but we went to StarCast. Mm-hmm. What I was hearing, like, you know, during this match, what I, I was hearing, like, on the wrestling on the wrestling Twitterverse was that there was actually people, you know, gathered around, you know, tables that were actually streaming this match, just, like, mesmerized by, like, these matches, this match right here, because it was such a great match. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Yeah, that from match. that day we didn't see much because of All Out, unfortunately. No, I yeah. haven't. I haven't didn't, watched. I didn't one, get but a chance to go back. That um that people were watching it at the hotel. Yeah, they they because there were these tables set up that were almost like li- library tables, and <laughs> it lined up. It it was I don't know why, but they were and people were huddling very, around. Like, conference heavy. Yeah, hotel, yeah, yeah. It felt like. So definitely, I I I truly believe that for sure. And then the thing about NXT is NXT fan bases and AEW fan bases are basically the same fan bases, so. They are, yes. Yeah. You have Tyler Bates versus Walter, you know, just I I believe that whole doing that whole day, you know, you know, they that match was just, you know, a clinic, you know, strong style, anything you want to say. It was just really great. And that was my match of the year was actually Tyler Bates and uh, Walter. Great, great. It's a really good list. <laughs> um, well, I have a couple honorable mentions. Um one Frank you had already touched on, uh, John Moxley versus Juice Robinson. I know we're not talking about storylines too much, but even though this was a small piece, I, I thought this was really important and really well done because Juice was the underdog. Yeah. He's the yeah. champion. He's coming in as the underdog. And right. I thought I loved everything about the match. Um, Juice Robinson was someone that I wasn't too fond of. Well, he had to shave his he had to shave his dreads. And then yeah, he, became... he he shaves his dreads. So first of all, this match starts. He comes out. He he's got his dread <laughs> shaved. So it's different juice. And I was like, wow, this is all right. I'm into it. Like we'll see what happens. They have a a banger of a match. And then Juice just, you know, develops his character, He, which I know Frank had touched on. But I just think that seemed sort of under the radar. But it was a little bit under the radar, I guess, because I don't know if to be truthful, I don't even know if he really developed on that. He hinted that he was going to be changing the Juice character. I don't know, Frank, you can put your opinion in here, too. But I never really saw him actually change really much after that. Um, I, after that match, he went back and I think he was more questioning, questioning himself. Like, is, he, is this really the route he wants to go? And then, you know, he had the help of, uh, who's his tag partner? Finley. Yeah. Come talk to him. And, you know, now they're going in a tag team. So I think he's back to like, you know, old juice, you know, he's back to like the giddy juice. But I think when he has to wrestle, you know, if he has to wrestle either Archer or Moxley, he's going to bring out that, that side of him again. Yeah. He has to bring out dark juice. Because he can't, with his little happy-go-lucky, he can't uh, compete with Archer or Moxie with that uh, persona. So, yeah, that's a good way. We'll, that's a good way to think of it. And we'll be that's seeing a, that's that. That's a really um, good way to think of that. Upcoming at Wrestle Kingdom, but that was one of my honorable mentions. Another one I have to throw out was God versus Evil and Sonata at Dominion. Mm. Um, <laughs> this. <laughs> This was just a really fun match. I had actually stayed up live, or stayed up to watch it live, and I wasn't expecting God to win. And 
they got a victory. Tongaloa had some funny banter with uh, <laughs> people in the middle of the match. It was just something that I enjoyed, and I was happy that my boys got a win. So I had to throw that in there. Mm. But now on to my top five. Number five, I have Marty Skrull versus Nick Aldis at the Crockett Cup. This was one I actually didn't watch live. I watched it uh, a few weeks back, the night of the NWA pay-per-view, after Marty had appeared at the end. And I wish I would have watched it live because it was a really good match. They worked really well together. I'm not too familiar with Nick Aldis, or I wasn't until this year. And I, I really, I think he's really talented and I just I liked the the back and forth that they had. There was blood. Blood's always cool. Um, <laughs> the match. You know, all this was trying to fight with honor. Um, you know, Marty had made it seem like Camille tried to interfere, and and all this, you know, she got kicked out from ringside, and she comes out, and all this doesn't want her to interfere, and he's you know trying to fight with honor, and I just I thought that was a really cool match, and I'm looking forward to their next match. Uh, what is it, January 24th, I think. Hard times. <laughs> yeah, hard times. Uh, so I think that'll be that'll be good to see again. I had mentioned earlier that Osprey can do no wrong, so it was really hard to narrow down uh, some Osprey matches for this list. But one of my favorites was um, Osprey versus Rocky Romero during the Best of the Super Junior Tournament. Kevin Kelly's commentary got me really invested in this match. The, the two men themselves are extremely talented, but Kevin Kelly just tells a hell of a story and you know rocky was the underdog in this match and he gave everything he had um osprey had had come out on top but um that was uh, another one that i really enjoyed my third is jay white versus kazuchika okada at the g1 supercard i've watched this match many times well yeah um this was one that we were actually there live for so being in the arena, it was a really amazing experience, but I didn't get to like fully appreciate the match. It's what introduced us to New Japan. Yeah, truth, so, truly. Truthfully, yeah. It, it really was. We had watched the Dominion the year prior mm-hmm. in 2018, which was Jericho and Naito. Yep. And that was the only reason why I watched it. We happened to be watching Okada versus Omega in arguably the greatest match of all time, <laughs> yeah, but right? all we cared about was the fact that Jericho was wrestling Naito. Um... But yeah, you're right. That was what really got us into the whole New Japan thing was just this G1 Supercard. Yeah, that was one of my favorite shows of the year. But that match, if any of you haven't seen it, I would definitely recommend checking out. Uh, Jay White and Okada just absolutely killed it. Then I had Osprey versus Shingo Takagi in the Best of the Super Junior Finals. I, I, I don't. There's not even much to say. It, they battled it out tournament and this was for and you know, Shingo for the was win. so good during that tournament yeah and I actually I had seen on Twitter that Osprey won the tournament before we got to watch the match and I was really Boo. pissed I was really upset because I was so excited to she's a spoiler see how it played out um but even then knowing who was going to win I'm watching the match and I'm like I, I don't know how this is going to end I don't know which way it's going to go even though I already knew the answer <laughs> Um, so that was a really good match. And then my number one for the year, Mox Omega. It was ridiculous. It was everything I've ever wanted <laughs> in a match. We wanted to see it at all, all out. And unfortunately, Mox had to got pulled from the card because of MRSA, which was upsetting. But I'm glad that they went back to it. And I think everything worked out the way it was supposed to. And, and this was just, I'll be, I'm going to be talking about this match forever. <laughs> Mox <Okay>. Omega. <laughs> 
in a way that uh that injury actually added to the match because Omega, you know, brought that into storyline saying, you know, uh, Moxley's trying to be like Omega doing the G1 and that's how he got hurt. So in a way, I think that injury was actually a blessing. <laughs> I, yeah. I agree. I agree completely. And thankfully, everything is OK now. But... Yeah. And a friend of ours actually made an interesting point. He said, you know, without that injury, Moxley would have been showing up on Wednesday night, the first Dynamite. However, with the injury, it was almost like a reintroduction of John Moxley to the fans because they hadn't seen him really outside of the two times they hadn't seen him. So this was almost like a re-debut of John Moxley that night on Dynamite, which was a great moment. Seeing that John was Moxley. a really good moment with Kenny. Yes, yes, um, yes. So showing that someone's behind him. My top five matches are a little different. I have one on here that's interesting but the fifth match is ibushi versus zack saber jr i know you love no you love that match. i love that you match i hate zack saber jr all the time i do not like zack saber jr i do not like zack saber jr at all just like i do not like green eggs and ham i do not like zack saber jr however that this match Taku, i believe it was done that match was really really good they told the story of how Basically, Zack Sabre Jr. could counter everything that Ibushi did and that the feeling was if Ibushi just hit one of his big moves, if he just hit one of his moves, he's going to finish Zack Sabre. However, Zack Sabre just wouldn't let it happen. And that was something I really enjoyed, that little piece of storytelling from that match. And that's why that made my list. But the match was very, very good. Uh, my fourth match was the Jay White Okada at the G1 Supercard, which a match, again, we've watched multiple times. I've enjoyed that match very much. I was there live. It, it invigorated my passion for New Japan. It made Okada my favorite wrestler of all time. So this is just <laughs> icing on the cake. Number three was the Escalera de la Muerte at All Out because there was two moments that I really enjoyed, which were, of course, the flip pile driver through the table, which was just absolutely outrageous. I, I, I've never seen that before. I'll never see it again. That was unbelievable. And there was a moment where there was a kid sitting next to us, and he couldn't be more than 12 years old. Oh, yeah. And I don't know who it was specifically. I don't know if it was Matt or Nick, but they pulled Penta's mask off. Oh, and. When they pulled Penta's mask off, the kid next to me started, oh, this kid's 12 years old, and I have never heard so many, a string of so many curse words come out of this kid's mouth because he was so angry that now, and you know, now he's upset. Now Conan's not going to let him come back to AAA. Now he's not going to let him wrestle there again. Now he's all upset. You know, this kid was, he was pissed. genuinely upset because now Penta is unmasked right and now he he can't he can't be traditional lucha anymore oh man and yeah yeah after, yeah. after it was over during the match after that happened he's yelling at matt jackson fucking kill him fucking kill matt jackson this kid's 12 years old i said this match made that a much emotion come out of this kid which made that. that match important to me because somebody felt something in that match it made the young bucks the enemies to this kid and I really, really liked that moment. And it was one of those things that I don't know if I would have enjoyed it as much if I wasn't live sitting next to the kid that wanted Matt Jackson to die because he took Penta's mask off. So that's my number three. My number two is Okada and Osprey in the G1 tournament. 
And if you haven't seen that or you haven't watched the full G1, which is very hard to follow, don't get me wrong, it's a lot of matches. But that match was something of a masterpiece. There were so many reversals. There were so many changes of pace between Okada and Osprey. It's just, it's something to watch. It's one of the reasons why Osprey was the number three wrestler on my list, number one wrestler on a lot of people's lists during the year. So, and then my number one, of course, Cody and Dustin. And I can't really explain much more than I did. I mean, it was just a story in which I wanted to see Dustin experience something that he deserved to experience. And he was pouring blood, which is what I love. I love wrestling with blood. I do. And it was just one of those things that I don't think will ever be replicated. And I can't really say much more than that. I had a couple of honorable mentions. I had the Daniel Bryan versus Kofi match. I had Ishii versus Evil. Oh, that was a good one, That too. was very fun. Hey. Not something I didn't expect to see. Uh, I don't know if, if you remember that one, Frank, but that happened, I believe, at Dantaku also. Dantaku, I believe. Uh, just completely unexpected. It was a great match. And, um, yeah, those are my top five. So. That's a great list. Going back to that, uh, that uh, Escalera one, uh, I was so pissed off at Matt Jackson, too. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, you don't, you don't do that. You don't like, do that. I was like, you, I forgot uh, about that moment, though, that um, the kid, he was so upset. I know that kid was so upset. He was like, fuck you, Matt Jackson. Oh, Penta's never going to be allowed back in AAA. He's never going to be allowed back. Conan's never going to let him come back. <laughs> he was so upset. And I remember saying to him, I, I said, because they were setting the ladder up, I believe, for the package pile driver they gave Matt on that he, ladder. He, didn't he do a... Yeah, yeah, he did like a cutthroat. And I told the kid, I said, listen, he's going to get him. He goes, he better kill him. He better kill him. <laughs> No, I, I was watching that one from home, and I was just like, oh, man, like that, a little piece of me just went with the mask. <laughs> a little piece of my heart just went with that mask. That's yeah. about the difference in culture that we talked about, just his experience growing up watching so much Lucha Libre. We don't have that type of experience. So we see Pentagon's mask taken off, and we know that that's no good. We know it's no good, but we don't have that connection because yeah. we didn't grow up with the Lucha Libre as our backdrop, you know? Yeah. So it's it's very interesting to hear you say that because we don't share that same emotional connection to it. Going back to that, I think a reason that I Rey Mysterio is big, big, big Rey Mysterio, but for him to put the mask on, it's just like oh, like <laughs> like that lucha libre like tradition is you, once you take a mask off, you can't put it back on. So right, I think right. He, I mean, this is totally off topic, but me and Rey Mysterio, I mean, he's a really great talent, but. I think he needs to lose a mask. That's <laughs> just me, because okay, that's, interesting. No, that's, that that's an interesting, interesting one. I don't know if I've I don't know if I've heard that. Heard, so that's interesting. You don't hear that, but that's like my personal take is that once you take that mask off, he needs. To so you off. don't think that Andrade should put it back on? No, I mean Andrade does it like you know he does it the right way. He uh, comes out, takes it off, and you know that's his way. Um, but no, he shouldn't put it back on. Andrade shouldn't put it back on. Ray Hubertud, you know, is another one. All those ones that Eric Bischoff, you know, unmasked in WCW, because uh, they did it, they shouldn't put it back on. But you know, Eric Bischoff, I guess, wanted them to do it in WCW. Um, but you know, a little, a little young Frank was just really heartbroken and all that was taken because all that was going down. A little piece of young Frank died those oh, days. No. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, um, that was a great review, great top. You guys can check it out. Dojo and Dynamite, Wrestling with the Weasel. That's great stuff. You guys will be able to listen to all that. The top fives 
we again, after listening to it, Frank, I'm sure agrees. We want to hear everybody else's top fives, what they thought. If you didn't already, let us know what your top fives were. Yeah, no, this was super cool. I like the diversity, um, sharing all of our opinions. Yeah, and, and we're going to do a very, very quick, because we don't want to hold anybody way too long on the podcast, you know. So we're going to do a very, very quick 2020 prediction. I want to hear one bold prediction from each individual and what you think about the Tanahashi Jericho. Frank, you can start. My bold prediction and I've been saying this on my show, is uh, Keith Lee is going to be a main roster champion by the end of next year. Okay, okay, okay. okay. He's he's the it factor right now in NXT. He is a rising NXT star. He showed it at Survivor Series. Um, he has he's a, he has it all. He has the promos. He has charisma. He's a, he's a big guy that has agility. He's athletic. I mean, he's yeah, a total athletic. So Keith um, Lee's really. And he'll probably be in the Royal Rumble, and I, I think he goes to the Final Four in that Royal Rumble. That wins it all, but I think he'll be in the final four. If anything, the final two, maybe him and Roman will be the final two, and Roman will maybe get his number again. But uh, that's my prediction. And Tanahashi Jericho, I like it, but um, if Tanahashi does win, he needs to have that championship match, the AEW championship match, on AEW programming, um, you know, just to get... I agree, I agree. Get New Japan, you know, since they are starting their American Quest, you know, promotions and all that, get some eyes on some of the new japan and who better to do it than the legend himself tanahashi the, the ace I, of I, japan. I completely agree with that yeah i mean i love the idea of that and I, what, what about you too what are your predictions and your views on that oh bold prediction mm-hmm. um i don't know if this is bold but i'm gonna say marty Skrull's gonna sign with AEW. okay i don't know i have no idea what he's going to do Nobody uh, does. Obviously, no one does. He swerved us all with NWA. Yeah. So <laughs> I, it really could go any which way. So my prediction is that he'll he'll sign with AEW. But I think, just kind of adding on that, I think we're going to see a lot of new faces in AEW this in 2020. Yeah. Uh, even if it's not Marty Skrull. Um, I think we're going to see some new additions to the roster, um, which is exciting. At least I hope so. In regards to Tanahashi versus Jericho, I love it. I don't know what's going to happen, but I love the fact that they are now fully acknowledging AEW. New Japan posted on Twitter that, you know, what the exact interaction was, that if Tanahashi beats Jericho, he gets a shot at the AEW championship. And this is all I've been wanting since um, this whole year started. (laughs) I would... Uh, I don't know if we need a full partnership right now, but maybe like a talent exchange where some pieces of New Japan can come to AEW and vice versa, like Mox and Jericho are doing for Wrestle Kingdom. Um, I love the idea. I think I like the idea of the forbidden door being opened, but I, I agree with Frank that if it is going to result in a title match for Tanahashi, that it needs to happen in in AEW. I agree. I, I, I'm going to start mine by just saying that I completely agree if they are going to wrestle for the AEW world title, it needs to happen on American soil. I don't care where it is, and it also has to happen pretty quickly. Not American soil, though, because there is New Japan of America. So do you mean New Japan of America or in AEW? Well, I don't know, because New Japan of America is not going to be aired on television. They don't have a TV deal anymore. So 
That's true. I, I mean, I, I I would just say AEW, I guess. But I mean, okay. it would have to, be, and I would think it would have to take place very quickly because they're obviously gearing up for Moxley Jericho. So it would have to take place, I guess, within the next month post the show. I had actually thrown out to you on the Jericho cruise. Yeah, yeah, could be interesting because it is Jericho's cruise. But my bold prediction is that no, I don't think New Japan and AEW are gonna work together. That's my bold prediction. I don't, I do not think they're going to have a partnership. Now, I. <laughs> what's up? You're breaking Ashley's heart there. I know, I know, I know. But uh, unfortunately, I just don't see it happening. I just don't foresee it. It's just there's so many politics taking place. Now, again, like Ashley said, it's possible we may see a couple of transplants back and forth the way Moxley and the way that Jericho kind of go over there. Maybe we get a guy or two. I get that. But unfortunately, I just think there's too much politics backstage and – you're talking about a guy in Kenny Omega that can literally go work for New Japan anytime that they wanted him to, and they have yet to call him. So that type of pettiness, that level of pettiness, that level of almost immaturity, that stuff is going to overshadow a potential partnership for the fans. I do believe we'll see more partnership between their stardom and the women wrestling now from AEW. I think AEW women's uh, talent will be wrestle be wrestling for stardom when they have their New Japan, from you know, I think they're partnering with New Japan, aren't they? I, I believe they they purchased them. The Bushi Road, I believe. Yeah, the the parent company purchased Stardom. Yeah. And I believe it was. I think the rumor was. Again, I'm not going to put this out there in any way, but I believe the rumor was that it was to prevent NXT from purchasing Stardom. Wow. Uh, I believe it was something along those lines, or they had attempted to purchase Stardom. I'm not saying that they had gotten blocked out, but I believe there was maybe an intention to have a conversation about acquiring Stardom. And because of that, Bushi Road kind of put their foot down and was like, nope, we're not even going to risk potentially losing that, and we're going to pull in Stardom. So, But guys, with that, thank you for tuning in to our segment. We really appreciated their review. If you guys liked it, please let us know. Uh, Frank, we want to say thank you to you for coming on here and handling yourself like an absolute professional. Thank you. I tried. Thank <laughs> you for joining us. Uh, before we um, wrap up the segment, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on Twitter? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Twitter, you can find me at the Wrestling with the Weasel. Wrestling Weasel. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Wrestling with the Weasel. It's wrestling without the G. <laughs> Just let them, everyone know it's wrestling without the G. Uh, wrestling with the Weasel on Instagram and on Twitter. And uh, shoot me a like, shoot me a follow. You can follow my podcast on uh, any platforms where they sh- play podcasts. Apple, Spotify, uh, Anchor, Google Play, any of those uh, platforms. You could you know, click a listen and let me know what you think. Excellent. Thank you, Frank, for coming on. Thank you for doing the review. And we really appreciate it. And we will definitely have more to come between the two of us in the future. Awesome. And thank you for having me. All right. So that brings us to the end of this week's episode. This is a collaboration we've been really excited for. And I hope you all enjoyed it. Give Frank some love. Support his podcast, Wrestling with the Weasel. And again, if you guys have any questions for us, we're at Dojo and Dynamite on Twitter. Any questions, feedback, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, we've got a lot of content coming up this week. We'll have our Dynamite recap bringing in the 2020 year. And we have Wrestle Kingdom to cover this weekend. So we've got lots of content coming out that we can't wait to discuss. Thanks again for listening, guys. We'll see you later this week.